Hello Team NXT, I am C.D. Danny Mac bringing you episode 50 of the Undisputed Future Podcast. Now, I'm not going to try and pull the wool over anybody's eyes. It is Thursday, May 2nd. I'm just about finishing my coffee. It's a little after 10 a.m. Again, on a Thursday, this is not being recorded at my usual time directly after NXT due to a couple scheduling conflicts, and I'm going to be honest, I got a little caught up in the Yankees game last night. They got a series with the defending World Series champion Houston Astros, and sometimes you get swept up in baseball as well. That doesn't quite explain the last week or so. Again, I'll throw the scheduling conflicts thing at you guys once again, but I decided the way I'm going to make episode 50 special is I'm going to take the April 25th edition of NXT. I'm going to take the May 2nd edition of NXT, which I guess makes today May 3rd. I'm still waking up. Like I said, just got back from walking the dog. The mascot of Team NXT, Colin, so drifting on to other things. April 25th, May 2nd editions of NXT. I'm just not going to put a time cap on the show. Usually I like to go about 30 minutes or so on each episode of NXT, but if you guys got the time, you got a long commute ahead of you, and I just hope you want to join me on some NXT coverage. I cannot believe this is my 50th time doing an episode. I got some other segments out there as well. Big thank you to anybody who has supported me over the past year, and if this is your first time with me in your ears, I certainly hope it isn't the last. So let's just jump right into it, shall we? April 25th edition of NXT was supposed to be highlighted by Johnny Gargano versus Aleister Black for the NXT Championship. Sometimes Things just align. It's written in the stars. Episode 50, a huge NXT championship match between two of my favorites on the roster right now, did not piece out the way I would have liked it to, and it's all because of that damn Tommaso Ciampa. And you know what? I'm going to give you a kayfabe reason for why it took me so long to get this episode out. Tommaso Ciampa's Chicago-like assault on Johnny Gargano just put me in too much of an emotional trauma state of minds, and I just couldn't deliver the quality show like I would have wanted to. So there's your kayfabe reason. Do not say kayfabe is dead on the Undisputed Future Podcast. Anyway, something these two episodes of NXT did have in common was the Undisputed Era kicking off the show. This week was why Roddy, why all four of these guys dripping in gold, Adam Cole, the NXT North American Champion, and Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly representing the NXT Tag Team Champions while Bobby Fish is out of commission in-ring-wise. Bobby Fish is out of commission in-ring-wise, but the guy is still out there each and every week. He obviously showed up to the tapings and was used plenty in the backstage promo aspects of the Undisputed Era, but let's break down what they had to say this first week. Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong. Cole able to brag about his North American Championship win once again. Kyle O'Reilly delivering that lovable charisma that we all appreciate, at least I do. And Roderick Strong making it very clear that this was the best decision of his career to join the Undisputed Era. And when I get into talking about Pete Dunne versus Roderick Strong, there's a lot of perks 
for the Undisputed Era that I definitely didn't expect Roddy to have, and if I would have known this back when he first refused, I would have disregarded everything I was saying in those first couple episodes, because Roderick Strong seems to be living the life alongside his Ring of Honor brethren in the Undisputed Era, and Adam Cole would defend that North American Championship over his shoulder against Oni Lorcan, a more than worthy competitor in the NXT locker room. Oni Lorcan delivering a hard-hitting match every single time he steps out into the ring, and that was bad news for Adam Cole's ribs. Oni Lorcan targeting the rib of Adam Cole the multiple rib injuries suffered in that North American title match, as well as the announcement table slam during the Tag Team Championship title defense in that triple threat match for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup as well. But Undisputed Era walking out with all their gold, and Adam Cole would continue to walk out with the gold. It would be the craftiness of of Adam Cole throughout this matchup to counter the targeting of Oni Lorcan, buying himself just enough time on the outside of the ring to cause a distraction by Kyle O'Reilly, accompanied by a trainer, as well as Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong planting Oni Lorcan on the outside apron, and timing is everything, because just after that vicious assault by Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly would announce with jubilance that Adam Cole was okay and able to continue this match and able to nail the last shot onto Oni Lorcan for the first ever successful North American title defense on NXT television. But of course, Undisputed Era was not finished there. They're never finished when it comes to assaulting their opponents, but Danny Burch, Oni Lorcan's one-time opponent turned tag team partner, would have absolutely none of this assault. Danny Burch attempting to save his partner here, but a super kick by Adam Cole would spell out dominance for the Undisputed Era in this first segment here of NXT television. And Undisputed Era is doing something that, I mean, we haven't seen in a quite, I mean, we see it all the time in pro wrestling. Who the hell am I kidding? But it's cool to like the bad guys. It really is. You got Adam Cole oozing personality. You got the raucous in-ring ability of Roderick Strong that I cannot talk enough about. Even as a babyface, relatable character, a family guy, just doing it for his kid and his wife, but turns it, I don't know. Roderick Strong's heel turn is something I never knew I wanted until it's just placed on television before me, and you really see that exhibited in his moveset. And I'll get to that with his match against his former tag team partner and UK champion, the Bruiserweight, Pete Dunne. But that's the main event of May 2nd. Let's shift into women's action here. Shayna Baszler having another word for the NXT locker room. Who can take this title from me? A very simple message, but it's going to be the story for Shayna Baszler for quite some time. You got this bully at the top of the division. You got the 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 queen of the schoolyard, as it appears, and no real lackeys. It's just Shayna on her own and this bad attitude. 
And who's going to take that title from her? I think it's going to be one of the more diminutive forces in NXT, such as the diminutive Dynamo and Mae Young Classic winner, Kyrie Sane. I've mentioned it before. I think we get a Mae Young Classic finals rematch for that NXT Women's Championship sooner rather than later. I also believe it can be Miss Gargano, a.k.a. Candice LeRae, excuse me, Mrs. Gargano, gotta get my marital terms correctly if I'm gonna be speaking to you guys, who has a match with Bianca Belair on the May 2nd edition of NXT, but Candice LeRae's minds would not be in that match. But let's shift away from women's action for now. I think Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler happens first, and if Kyrie is unsuccessful, I really think Candice LeRae gets the opportunity to step up to the plate to really take it away from the schoolyard bully. But shifting away from that, we had Heavy Machinery taking on Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss in tag team action, a series in the tag team division that's just about tied, and boy, did we have a shocking outcome by the end of this one. The tag team action was temporary. Tino Sabatelli getting the usual Tino sucks chance, unfortunate miscommunication between the big money athletes, Sabatelli and Moss, just not enough to take down the big force known as heavy machinery. But two powerful teams, I'll admit, definitely gave a jib for jab back and forth in this one for a little bit, but it was unfortunate miscommunication between Moss and Sabatelli, and just when Riddick Moss needed Sabatelli the most, Tino would jump off the apron, give his partner the old Italian, I'll see you later, shove off to the air, and Sabatelli just making his way up to the ramp, leaving his partner hanging to be compacted. Heavy Machinery walking away with another win, and after this, before I jump into Tino's actions, I do want to address the call out to the War Raiders. War Raiders in New Orleans making their presence known on NXT television, taking out both teams, the big money athletes, and Heavy Machinery. Heavy Machinery, the only force stuck together, and now they're going to try and take it to Hanson and Rowe in a big, powerful matchup in two weeks on NXT. Well, technically next week, I'm going to talk about them a little bit more when I jump into the May 2nd edition of NXT, but let's talk about Tino Sabatelli. Shall we? Special shout out to the Pav, the P underscore A underscore V. Thank you for a big shout out about my Tino Sabatelli coverage, Pav. Anything that sticks out to you guys about the show and you want to reach out to me to talk about, I will be more than happy to do. So let's talk about Tino Sabatelli. Tino Sabatelli, for those of you who don't know, does have a bit of coverage on him on the WWE Breaking Ground series on the WWE Network, a fantastic library of stories from NXT talents from then, as well as right now, Aaliyah, another featured talent on that show. But Tino, we know, coming from the NFL, very similar to Riddick Moss, sharing a background, that's what made them such a great team. The cockiness that oozed from both these guys, knowing that They didn't need professional wrestling for the income, but just to go out there to show that they can do it and prove that they are primetime athletes on NXT was really their their big message, and Colin shaking his head in agreement with me. I hope you're okay there, buddy. But Tino Sabatelli, as a singles force on NXT television, 
can be big time. We know the guy has fine tailored suits that Riddick Moss tried to take credit for. We know that Tino drives a nice Maserati that I got a chance to ask him about in a, in a Poughkeepsie crowd and we see it every week. Again, something that Riddick Moss tried to take credit for. Tino is sick of Riddick Moss riding on his coattails. And if you're not going to be a good tag team partner on top of that, and these careless shoulder blocks and miscues and not stacking up the wins that are building you towards the NXT Tag Team Championships, that's fine. Riddick Moss is honestly going to struggle a little bit more than Tino Sabatelli to find his path in the singles division, though. I mentioned it a couple minutes ago. The Tino Sucks chants are the major heat going on in NXT. Tino Sucks rings out every single matchup, whether they were filming in Georgia or whether they're back in front of the Full Sail Faithful. The Tino Sucks chants carry to the live events as well because we know the guy has the look and he doesn't have the ring ability quite yet to be a big time superstar. But that can just drive for him. If they can capitalize on the I don't need pro wrestling, you guys need me way to get jabs at the fans, I think that does big things for Tino Sabatelli. I don't need the money, but you guys need to see me. I really think that's something that can work in Sabatelli's favor. If the guy continues the charisma route that he's on, I think we can see big things for Tino Sabatelli in the future. But let's get through this breakup. How do I think Riddick Moss is going to fare in this? I don't know if Riddick Moss is going to be a babyface that catches fire right away. The guy is still on the building blocks of his own. Does this become a heel team that breaks up where only one of the guys ends up doing their own thing? Does Tino Sabatelli get the solo spotlight while Riddick Moss kind of fades into the darkness for a little bit to repackage himself? The example jumping into my mind right now, some of you may know it right away, is the Blake and Murphy factor. Wesley Blake has been off of NXT television for a number of months now, building a team with Steve Cutler. Blake, not a tag team competitor with Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy's off on 205 Live. Alexa Bliss, we know her fame on the main roster, making history with the Raw and SmackDown tag team titles. Everybody can move at their own pace and still find success on NXT television. That doesn't mean it's the wrong move. A lot of people are going to question why break up a tag team when the renaissance of a division is on the rise again. We have the Authors of Pain called up to the main roster. We have Sanity called up to SmackDown Live. There's a lot that can go on in the tag team division. There's building blocks that need to fall into place. So Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss breaking up. It's not the end of the world for a tag team. I really point to you in that Wesley Blake direction. If you listen to my interview with Sawyer Fulton, Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler is one of the most underrated tag teams we may have here in NXT. So if you want to check that out, definitely look into that tag team. I find a parallel path for Riddick Moss, and I find singles success as a rich, cocky, brash, over-the-top, I-drive-the-cars-you-dream-about move for Tino Sabatelli. Kind of like an EC3 parallel. And in fact, I could kind of see the finest Kona Reeves being a guy that Tino Sabatelli gets along with as well. The rich guy on Better Than You gimmick has been done to death across the board in professional wrestling, 
But if it's done right, I really like the way it was executed with the heel glorious one, Bobby Roode, the famed NXT champion in my book and something I'm aching to see on Raw right now. And Kona Reeves, a little bit of John Morrison feel, but I'll get to him when I discuss May 2nd as well. I hope you had fun with my Tino Sabatelli thoughts. Please give me a shout out at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. Share with me your thoughts. Who is going to be the rising star out of this tag team? Like I mentioned before, I think Riddick Moss can find tag team glory with a different partner, but I really do see big things for Tino Sabatelli as a singles star. All right, not much tag team coverage for the May, for the April 25th edition of NXT. I mentioned it, Heavy Machinery does call out the War Raiders, and I'll get a chance to talk about when we discuss the May 9th edition on episode 51. But let's shift into the women's division once again, like I mentioned before. Who can take this title from me, says Shayna Baszler. We had a list of female talents displayed to us in various promo packages on this edition of NXT. And like I said before, the same renaissance going on in the tag team division is going on in the NXT women's division as well. We had Ember Moon called up to Raw, the Iconics making a splash on SmackDown Live and being a major factor in My Princess, the princess of Staten Island's Carmella, finally cashing in. Finally achieving the SmackDown Women's Championship with the help of Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. But Dakota Kai, Dakota Kai is not an NXT Women's competitor who has had a streak of good luck as of late. Going back to the Shayna Baszler injury, just the gruesome attack on the arm. I'm sitting here holding my elbow just thinking about that footage. But Shayna would interrupt a Dakota Kai interview not wanting to address that very injury. And Shayna just throwing her weight around. Dakota Kai would get another chance to address the performance center. But interrupted once again by another talent on the rise. Vanessa Bourne getting her own spotlight this week. Lacey Evans getting a chance to shine. Aaliyah, a longtime NXT veteran here in the division, getting a chance to show that she is a championship competitor finally. Kyrie Sane, the Mae Young Classic winner, would also have a match on the May 2nd edition of NXT. And somebody I've been waiting to talk about and actually got a chance to talk about a little bit last week is Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross, surprisingly to most, not getting called up with the rest of Sanity to SmackDown Live right away. It's not going to happen right away. It's like I mentioned on episode 49, please go check that out if you haven't. It's really apples and oranges when you compare why Carmella didn't get called up with Enzo and Big Cass, whereas Nikki Cross not getting called up with Alexander Wolf, Killian Dane, and the masterminds Eric Young. Nikki Cross is needed in the NXT women's division right now. I'll leave it at that. Please reach out to me after the Superstar Shakeup special and future coverage of Sanity on SmackDown Live. But a lot of spotlight on the NXT women's division. You really gotta feel the rebuild here in NXT. I know it kind of can feel like a lull. We're really getting to see what people are made of. What various stars are going to step up in their respective divisions to pave the way for future main eventers and 
championship competitors, so you will notice some weak points in these next few episodes of NXT, mostly in the enhancement talents. There's going to be a lot of guys that will look out and say, hey, he's finally getting a gimmick. I remember when he was losing matches to so-and-so. So it's an exciting time here in NXT and definitely not a time to just sit back and not pay attention to the rebuilding period. We are still on the road to NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. And speaking of NXT TakeOver Chicago 1, just when you think I'm going to get a chance to talk about Aleister Black, the NXT champion, taking on Johnny Wrestling for the championship. Johnny Gargano, the man to deliver Aleister Black his first pinfall loss in a fatal four-way. Can he do it again in singles competition? Will Johnny Gargano finally claim the NXT championship and give a shockingly short title reign to the Dutch destroyer Aleister Black? Yeah, I'm all hyped up right now too at Team NXT, but that bastard Tommaso Ciampa would not let me have the chance to talk about it. Tommaso Ciampa, the Sicilian psychopath, delivering a NXT TakeOver Chicago flashback attack on Johnny Gargano. The knees into the LCD screens, or LED. I mean, I got a little bit of an IT background, but even I get those acronyms confused. But into the screen, you could see the static pop up because of the impact. And just just the PTSD, not something to joke about, but for lack of a better term, to all of the Johnny Gargano and NXT fans out there, the Celtic Cross once again threw two, at least two, tables at Full Sail University. Unable to compete, Johnny Gargano would be carried out on a stretcher before the match, and just you could see the heartbreak in Kansas Ray's eyes. You could see the concern on the look on the face of Cassius Ono. The knockout artist would get a chance to speak on this incident on the May 2nd edition of NXT as well. But Johnny Gargano's in bad shape here, team. Uh, you don't know what Johnny Gargano's condition is even jumping into the May 2nd edition of NXT. I'm just going to talk about Johnny as, as much as I can right now. Candice LeRae would get an interview next week right before her match with Bianca Belair. She would be unable to really speak to Kathy Kelly about Johnny Gargano's condition. And you could see the tears and just the masterful delivery by LeRae during this time. It's a really scary time to be a Johnny Gargano fan after another vicious attack by Tommaso Ciampa. And Tommaso Ciampa's just basking in it. And he's got a Johnny Wrestling t-shirt on throughout this whole freaking assault. He looks like a pirate who just jumped on ship and tried to take somebody's gold. You don't know what the hell is going on in this guy's head, but Aleister Black would call out Tommaso Ciampa saying you can't take out his opponent and just... You could see how angry Aleister Black was storming the ring. We almost got Tommaso Ciampa versus Aleister Black. I don't know if that would be a title match opportunity, but Aleister Black is a fighting champion. I imagine it would have been, but along came Sanity. That's right, Sanity. Before their SmackDown Live send-off, Eric Young would step up to Aleister Black and deliver a great match. I guess for the NXT Championship, they really didn't address that, but it was kind of easy to infer that Eric Young 
wanted to take the NXT Championship gold with him to SmackDown Live, just to really ring in the dominance of Sanity. Aleister Black, being the fighting champion, would step up to the challenge, and it was a back-and-forth chaotic matchup, the perfect send-off for Eric Young. I think Eric Young getting a NXT championship opportunity is long overdue, a proud veteran of the business delivering a excellent match with the current NXT champion, the Dutch Destroyer, but a black mass seemingly out of nowhere would seal victory for the champion. Aleister Black successfully defending the championship, delivering a series of spinning wheel kicks, that black mass attack to each member of Sanity, sending off the chaotic faction onto SmackDown Live. What a good send-off for Sanity. Nothing strikes them down quite like a black mass. It really takes the devastating finisher of a champion to stop these guys. I thought it was perfectly written, and I can really just pray for so much for them to be perfectly written on SmackDown Live. As of this date, once again, May 3rd, we are yet to see Sanity or Andrade Cien Almas live on SmackDown Live. Live being in the arena, they would respectively get some promo packages, and I'll talk about that on the Superstar Shake-Up special, which is playing out to be an entirely new segment of its own, not included in episode 50, but screw it. I think I'm just going to label it episode 50 part 2 and just make this whole thing a super deluxe version of the Undisputed Future podcast. I hope everybody's okay with that. That does it for my coverage on the April 25th, 2018 edition of NXT. I know it's a couple weeks behind, guys, by the time I release that, but if I missed anything while talking about this edition of NXT, please reach out to me on any form of the social media. I like to be know where I'm wrong. I like for you guys to say, hey, that was a really good point, but how about this perspective? Because I know a lot of podcasts feature co-hosts. I don't get that luxury all the time, so there might be a side of a coin and a side of an argument I'm completely missing out on. Give me your points and give me your perspective, even if it's a dated episode of NXT. But let's talk about the May 2nd edition of NXT. I'll get to your questions as well that were DMs to me on Facebook, Twitter. I even got a couple on the Instagram, which was a little bit surprising as well. But let's talk about the May 2nd edition of NXT, which would be highlighted by Candice LeRae taking on Bianca Belair, the Street Profits taking on TM61, and the WWE UK Champion, Pete Dunne taking on the now undisputed era member, Roderick Strong. So if you want to come back and, you know, give this a pause, I'd say just remember about 27 minutes, CD starts talking about the May 2nd edition of NXT. Okay, 27 minutes if you got to pause it. Alright everybody, I hope you enjoyed that little bit of music intermission. For those of you joining me because of the 27 minute timestamp I will eventually put in the description of this episode, thank you for joining me on episode 50's second half discussing the May 3rd edition of WWE NXT, headlined by Roderick Strong, the newest member of Undisputed Era, taking on his former tag team partner and WWE United Kingdom champion, the Bruiserweight, Pete Dunn. But things would kick off with 
Once again, the Undisputed Era. I mentioned it before, if there's one thing these two episodes I'm covering had in common, it's that they kicked off with a bang. And completely pun intended, based on their theme song, because their theme song playing during these promos, everybody, it just gives me an old-school WCW fan, a kid that grew up on these sort of things. I'm talking about the old-school black-and-white shot NWO promos with the music in the background. You got Hall, Nash, and Hogan doing their own thing, delivering their own ominous message with the cocky attitude, and that's exactly what the Undisputed Era is doing. I mentioned it earlier, but once again, if you're joining me because of that timestamp, I'll just keep talking about it. Liking the Undisputed Era, it's cool. Adam Cole, we all know from the independent scene and the ROH days as the four-time champion, how much charisma he has. He was meant to be a faction leader, and I'm glad he's getting that sort of shot in WWE, especially on the scale of NXT that the Undisputed Era has shown through so far. Remember their debut at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3? In my eyes, you don't make a bigger debut in NXT than their equivalent of WrestleMania. Please at me if you're going to dispute that, because NXT TakeOver Brooklyn is going on a four-year anniversary, much like a WrestleMania anniversary, and that's incredibly biased because I've been to every single one of them. But moving on, Undisputed Era promo overall as usual, great. Adam Cole delivering his snarky message with tons of confidence, taking shots at Oni Lorcan, his first ever opponent to defend the North American Championship against... I'm tripping over my words because I just got back from working a martial arts shift with children as well as adults. For those of you who know me as a karate instructor, that's also why that little bit of intermission was due. So the Undisputed Era kicking off the show very, very strongly, and I, once again, complete pun intended because this main event match was incredible. There's something about Roderick Strong and this United Kingdom batch of talent that just, the chemistry is there. He's delivered great matches with Pete Dunne multiple times at this point, as well as against Tyler Bate in Philadelphia. But shifting gears, let's move into Kyrie Sane and the women's division action. Kyrie, the May Young Classic winner, took on Shaza McKenzie, another Australian talent in the NXT women's division. I guess the iconic duo void had to be filled somehow. I'm using that completely kidding. Nobody can ever take the place of Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. But Shaza McKenzie, I mean, I associate the name McKenzie with women's wrestling right now to Millie McKenzie, the biggest thing in women's United Kingdom wrestling. See, it's all meshing together, the UK and the women's champion and the women's division. Discussion, I'll talk about the women's champion, Shayna Baszler, a little bit Later on, but Shaza McKenzie getting a chance to debut on NXT TV. She did get a little bit of a pop. I'm assuming some people in the crowd knew who she was or just really liked the vibe she was putting out because she put out sort of a equivalent babyface sort of thing to match Kyrie Sane. But let's shift away from Shaza until I learn more about her. Let's talk about the Mae Young Classic winner, the Pirate Princess Kyrie Sane getting a showcase match here. You really can't describe it other than that. Shaza McKenzie really doing a fantastic job for Kyrie and Kyrie Sane doing what she does best, which is delivering the best elbow in professional wrestling right now. 
Professional Wrestling is a Stretch. NXT has the Velveteen Dream's Purple Rainmaker, in my opinion, to compete with. But the Insane Elbow is nothing short of a thing of beauty every single time it happens. And I'm probably getting a text message right now to confirm that. No, it's just a Instagram notification for my dog. Moving on away from women's in-ring action for a second, we had interference at the end of this one by a very confident lady of NXT. I'm talking about the military mom, Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans coming out, offering some sort of shady apology, which ended with a long and hardly struck right hand. Just a really vicious shot on Kyrie Sane. And Lacey Evans delivering the message that she is at the top of the food chain in the NXT women's division. And she's made a believer out of me multiple times at this point tonight. But I think this promo really, really put me behind the idea of Lacey Evans stepping up as a NXT women's championship competitor. But even further away from women's division in-ring action, where Candice LeRae's head is has to be a thousand miles away after the vicious Chicago-style heartbreak assault by Tommaso Ciampa on her husband, Johnny Gargano. I mentioned this interview a little bit earlier, but it has not been an easy year for the Garganos. Once they thought Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega, arguably their biggest challenge for the NXT Championship, was put behind them. Andrade and Vega both tapping out a beautiful moment for these two people. Once again, Tommaso Ciampa, somebody they viewed as family, would stick his nose and just another knee in the face of Johnny Gargano, putting Candice LeRae in a fog, Candice having a very important matchup with Bianca Belair, the EST of NXT was able to take full advantage of this state of mind Candice LeRae was in. I'm going to move away from that promo because it's just not easy to listen to or discuss, but something that's also not easy to discuss or even emulate is probably the vocabulary of Lars Sullivan. Lars Sullivan once again delivering a eloquent promo, just giving off that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde vibe that we get from out-of-ring interviews to in-ring competition I see with Lars Sullivan. And Lars promises a era of destruction heading towards the NXT Championship. Those with gold beware. The era of destruction is coming was pretty much the hard, large-handed punch of Lars's promo here. But let's move into tag team action now. This is striking as quite a bit of a rapid-fire episode. In comparison to the first one, I'm just really aching to get to this main event between Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne, but we had a tag team match that I'm sure I'm going to spend quite a bit of time discussing. The Street Profits versus TM61, two of my personal favorite Dusty Rhodes tag team classic competitors. And I thought the only story worth telling in the tag team division would be next week's matchup between the War Raiders and Heavy Machinery. But TM61 pulling one over the Street Profits. I mean, the matchup confused me for a second because, okay, two of the most charismatic and arguably well-liked tag teams in the division... TM61 making not as strong of a return as they would like to... 
getting eliminated by their former opponents in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals in the first round, they had to turn something around, and it just it just happened at the expense of Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, one of the most charismatic teams in the entire division. TM61 getting one over. Montez Ford countered by Shane Thorne in a roll-up attempt. Thorne with his feet on the ropes, and Nick Miller reinforcing the point. So Shane Thorne, not just poor ring position. He was trying to get one over on the referee. Miller ensured it happens. And, I mean, the mighty don't nail... The mighty don't kneel, but I guess they take shortcuts. I really don't understand this sudden change of attitude. Well, I guess I get it. I mean, they come back. They're hard-fighting Australians. They're Japanese-traveled former tag team champions, ranging in the likes of... Anderson and Gallows, they've shared some achievements with some of tag team wrestling's best all over the world. So I I kind of get it. The guys needed a win under their belt. Does this mean a sudden overall repackaging of Shane Thorne and Nick Miller? Not necessarily, but it'll be interesting to see. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't want to see a bit more of a character change in one of my NXT Tag Team Division favorites. I'm a big fan of TM61, The Mighty Don't Kneel. I went out of my way to learn and study the Who Are TM61 short of clips. And wow, this just kind of pieced together for me, Team NXT. Who is Roderick Strong? Airs. You get a whole long chase to the Bobby Roode NXT Championship story, and then he turns heel. We get the Who RTM61 video packages leading up to the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, and now we have them using less than sportsmanlike means to get a win over the Street Profits, another fan favorite team. So give me your thoughts on this change of attitude for TM61. Is it a permanent stint? Is it entire repackaging? Is it just one week to get back on track? Do you see TM61 just as you did earlier before, and now you finally see just a little bit of something else in them? Give me your thoughts at podcast underscore UF, of course, is the Twitter. I could talk NXT Tag Team Division repackaging all day. This renaissance of the women's division and the tag team division, and you got the North American Championship, finally a mid-card starting to unfold for NXT. Speaking of guaranteed mid-card in NXT, I'll get to Kona Reeves repackaging and re-debut on television in just a matter of minutes. And of course, we have the NXT Championship scene with Aleister Black taking fold Alistair with a great win over Eric Young and a fantastic send-off of Sanity just this past week. But let's talk about Cassius Ono for just a second. Cassius Ono, one of the victims, and you gotta be a victim if you're there live, witnessing the aftermath of the attack on Johnny Gargano. Cassius Ono, we know through the hard-hitting match he had with Johnny Gargano to qualify for that fatal four-way that would eventually push Johnny Gargano to NXT TakeOver Philadelphia's championship matchup. The five-star main event I was fortunate enough to witness live, that Cassius Ono had to see Johnny Gargano forced out on a stretcher. Cassius able to see Johnny's career, not just in NXT, but from long ago as well. I know they shared some PWG time together on the independent circuit, but Cassius Ono vows for his friend Gargano that he will take Tommaso Ciampa and know what it feels like to be helpless 
because that's what he saw when he saw Johnny on that stretcher. He saw an accomplished wrestler who is just helpless at this moment, and he is going to guarantee Tommaso Ciampa feels the same way, although I do see some underhanded tactics coming from the Blackheart, especially making an in-ring return to NXT television. But enough about a rivalry that matters. Let's get into the finest, Kona Reeves taking on Patrick Scott. I'm not sure if there's any relation to Dunder Mifflin's Michael Scott. Give me your thoughts on that reference as well. But the finest Kona Reeves, uh, it's exactly what it was. It was fine. It wasn't anything great. It wasn't this complete radical character and in-ring ability change that we saw when he was playing the -the over-the-top and weird Hawaiian character. It's just, it was Kona Reeves. Kona Reeves is a a big, believable enough guy to get in some offense on Aleister Black, but he went down in a matter of seconds after getting those first few opening shots in, and honestly, coming from that matchup, I haven't seen much in this match against Patrick Scott. It was a solid meh, in in my opinion. It ended in a very interested, modified Samoan drop called the Hawaiian drop, sort of a gut buster, face buster from a Samoan drop position. I guess that was a bit of a high point. But the second rope, elbow, and something about that pacing in the match might have... It, it just didn't feel right to me, Team NXT. Give me your thoughts on the finest Kona Reeves, because I... I just think it was fine. It was nothing more. I didn't see any radical changes like the promo packages insisted. All right, not really insisted. The promo packages weren't in your face about anything other than he was trying to pull off another rich guy vibe. I remember commentary referencing Bobby Roode, the glorious one. Another NXT championship reign I wish we could see just a bit of reflected on the main roster, but... I'm not going to talk about Bobby Roode. Uh, Influenced by The Rock, I remember. I think it was Percy Watson referencing as well. But Kona Reeves, still a lot of of work. I mean, I got John Morrison-type vibes from the promo packages. It's the sunglasses. It's the long hair. It's the movie-style vibe. It's the white blazer. Honestly, it's heavily, heavily the white blazer as well. You got to be some sort of over-the-top character to deliver and pull off such a piece of attire. I don't know. I guess the most I could see Kona Reeves being interesting, I could see this false sense of grandeur. Like, all right, put him in a rivalry with EC3. EC3 is a guy we know has it all. Put him in a rivalry with Tino Sabatelli, a guy I mentioned ad nauseum has money and the Maserati that he told me for sure was out in the parking lot. Man, those are such a nice car, especially with the white and that fresh red interior. I'm drifting away from Kona Reeves, which is very easy to do because he didn't interest me like I was anticipating. So put him in a rivalry with a rich guy vibe. Somebody like an EC3 who can carry him through such a gimmick. Maybe even put him under his wing. Maybe it turns into a rivalry turned respect sort of thing. Maybe... Maybe Tino Sabatelli has somebody else to ride his coattails. Maybe EC3 has somebody who he can show the ropes to, literally give him a little bit of an in-ring tutorial. But give me your thoughts on Kona Reeves. Did you like the repackaging of The Finest? Am I just so completely blinded by 
hype of videos and really impressive stuff. Was I blinded by Kona Reeves' light? Give me your thoughts on the repackaging. Speaking of EC3, we see his NXT television debut against Raul Mendoza. And if you thought that ladder match was great, this in-ring debut is going to be in the top 1% of NXT television debuts. But let's jump back to Women's Championship Division action. We have Candice LeRae taking on Bianca Belair after once again hearing from Dakota Kai outside the Performance Center where the unique interview style format was formed. Lots of different devices. I think I saw a Samsung S8 representing out there. So shout out to that person hanging out and interviewing Dakota Kai. And unexpectedly, Vanessa Bourne. Vanessa Bourne really coming out and just taking all the attention, all of the mic time, and delivering the exact antithesis of what Dakota Kai was saying. Dakota Kai still with uncertainty when it comes to the subject of Shayna Baszler. Week to week, it's just not going to change. Dakota Kai is trying to put this traumatic event in her NXT career behind her, but Vanessa Bourne delivering such confidence, such bravado to this sea of microphones. I can beat Shayna Baszler. I would have put her out with the right hands. I would have punched her in the mouth. Vanessa Bourne, I really liked the confidence. I'm sure whoever's trying to interact with me right now also likes the confidence. No, it's it's somebody else with a with a retweet on my personal account, which you can follow my personal account if you like Parks and Rec and The Office quotes. But let's get back to NXT Women's In-Ring Division action. The aforementioned Mrs. Gargano, Candice LeRae, takes on the EST of NXT, Bianca Belair, who has been nothing short of impressive as of late. I love the alley-oop reverse powerbomb. It's a fantastic showcase of strength finisher that really goes with Bianca Belair. And showcase of strength, I'm really glad I said it because I'm really having trouble putting into words the heartbreak it sees to watch Candice go through such punishment and to know that her heart and her head are not 100% in this matchup. But we did see the rebel heart of the Gargano family shine out in this matchup. It's not like Candice LeRae was squashed. She was just merely overpowered. And the psychology and the mindset of Candice LeRae was clearly elsewhere with her husband and just that traumatic experience one week ago. But... Hey, Belair beats Loray in a shocking turn of events. Bianca Belair proving that she is quite the player in the NXT women's division. And I think she's kind of floating in that gray area. But if they want to go full on babyface as a competitor for Shayna Baszler, I think the crowd could get behind Bianca Belair. I'm certainly behind her as far as talent goes. I think the charisma and the entrance need a lot of work. Especially, I mean, the in-ring song, don't get me wrong, is an absolute bop. But there's just some things I think the screws need to be tightened on. Once again, just my personal opinion on somebody who took on my personal favorite in the NXT women's division. So give me your side of the coin on whatever form you feel necessary. But Bianca Belair beating Candice LeRae definitely put a damper on the evening for me if it wasn't for such a strong main events. I'm, of course, talking about Roderick Strong 
taking on Pete Dunne, which I'm just going to jump right into. What a merge of entrance themes for Roderick Strong. You didn't think I was going to jump right into the in-ring action without talking about the incredible vibes that Roderick Strong and his new attitude are putting out. Now, did you? Roddy just down on two knees, basking in the glory that is the Undisputed Era's entrance. But you know what? I really hope it sticks with that small little intro fading in to the Undisputed Era's part. Because once Bobby Fish comes back, Roderick Strong is going to be another singles division player in NXT. Adam Cole controlling the North American Championship. The undoubted best in-ring chemistry out of the faction has to be Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. So that leaves a resilient Roderick Strong chasing to be either the first American to hold the UK title. It all depends on where this vendetta with Pete Dunne goes. But I think I really want to see Roderick Strong with this new attitude take on Aleister Black. He could hand Aleister Black his first singles loss and just have something to hold over the rest of NXT as if Undisputed Era needs more merits to loiter over everybody. Just one man's thought. But let's jump into the in-ring action. Unbelievable once again by Pete Dunne. It's really, it's easy to forget how young this guy is. Just barely in his mid-20s. I think he's maybe five years within the legal drinking age of the UK. I think that's at 18 and Dunne is either 23 or 24. Please reach out to me, especially my UK fan base. I'm a huge Mark Andrews fan myself, but Pete Dunne versus Roderick Strong I was backing Roddy, I was backing the Undisputed Era in this one, but there's no taking away from how impressive Pete Dunne is. The guy knows more about joint manipulation than Cheech and Chong, and it's just clever every time, and it's just chemistry every time between these two. The multiple matches that Dunne and Strong have had as opponents, as well as I can't take away from their tag team chemistry in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic as well. But Undisputed Era would break what would be undoubtedly the winning fall by Pete Dunne after hitting the bitter end on Roddy Strong. Kyle O'Reilly making the save like the cooler big brother he is, and Adam Cole throughout this matchup would give off the vibe of just a really proud dad. I mean, Kyle O'Reilly seems like that older brother who, like, when, you, when you're about 19, he'll buy you, like, a six-pack as long as you got to ride back and know that mom and dad are able to pick you up and does guitar solos on his NXT Tag Team Championship. And you got Adam Cole out there, big old grin on his face with his North American Championship, just proud every step of the way, but the look of concern when necessary, especially with that nasty, nasty finger lock finger snap, excuse me, at the end of this match. But once again, Undisputed Era would break the promising finish of a matchup, but it would not go without a fight. Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, the one-two punch, making their presence known. I read rumors that Danny Birch possibly signed full-time with NXT, or at least working more events than he usually did. If somebody could fact-check that for me as well. In fact, after this episode is finished, and I 
hook it up on the charger, I think I'm going to look up that fact myself. So undisputed error breaking up a promising fall, but Oni Larkin and Danny Birch ensuring that a promising six-man tag team scenario would be coming in NXT's near future, and I could really see the tag team of 1-2 Punch, Oni Larkin and Danny Birch really blending well with Pete Dunne's style. But it's always the question of how long can Pete Dunne play nice with others. It was highlighted as one of the major reasons Roderick Strong decided to join Undisputed Era. He wanted to strike before Pete Dunne drove the knees into his back. Alright, taking this time to apologize for that loud battery notification that just came up, but I took a couple seconds to hook up the charger as well as look up that Danny Birch fact. The 36-year-old from Leeds was a free agent working date by date for NXT until last month. I also looked it up. He has a WWE.com official superstar page. So according to PW Insider, I'm reading the article from CagesideSeats.com. So I can confirm Danny Birch has signed a WWE NXT contract, and I couldn't be happier. There's a lot of ways to use Danny Birch, listed as 190 pounds. He's a guy who can, let's see where this Undisputed Era rivalry goes. Maybe we can see him and Roddy lock things up once again on 205 Live. Oni Lorcan's tag team... These guys can go anywhere. Always nice to have a hard-hitting, straight-to-the-point team. Haven't really seen one of those since the Revival. Arguably one of NXT's very best tag teams in history. The two-time champs, the top guys. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways to use Danny Burch. Only working as a tag team, getting along with Pete Dunne, making the post-match save at the hands of Undisputed Era. So two episodes would begin with Undisputed Era, and this week's would end with Undisputed Era as well. So there's a lot of ways. It's clearly shown that NXT is going to revolve around Adam Cole and his bandolier gang. It's it's pretty exciting times. We're in a rebuilding period of NXT, up and down the divisions, like I mentioned before. Who knows what the Undisputed Era will do to control all of the gold in NXT. Does Tynera Conti get another shot? I don't know, not with this Brazilian gang forming on NXT television. But I could see somebody in the women's division getting a chance to join the Undisputed Era. I could see them really branching out for free agents and wanting to control all of the gold on every single level in every single division. So the NWO vibes continue to pick up in my book. The black and yellow color scheme all around just emphasizes the takeover intended on NXT. There's a lot to talk about on the Undisputed Era. There's a lot to talk about in the universe of NXT, clearly, because I'm going for about 55 minutes or so. So I know I said no time limit, but nobody's got to be talking, nobody's got to be listening to me talk for this long. So I thank you for every single second you have listened in. This is my 50th episode. This is me covering two weeks worth of NXT for almost an hour by myself with nobody else to talk to by my dog. Yeah, that's, that's a really weird sentence coming out strong on that one. Thank you for listening. I am CD Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice for WWE NXT coverage. Please follow all platforms of social media. I've said it once. I've said it twice. I'm sure I've said it thrice, but I'm going to say it again at podcast underscore 
UF is the Twitter. Please get at me with all of your NXT inquiries. Get at me with your personal questions, which I'm going to get to right now. You don't need to listen to me review NXT for quite some time, but if you're going to stick around after the social media wrap-up, I'm going to get to your questions. Please take the time to follow me on the Instagram at Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word. Find me on the Facebook. Find me on any form of social media as well as podcasting platforms. I mean, hey, I'm always down to talk main roster as well. Shout out to anybody reaching out to me on Twitter. And I'm going to address one special shout out and jump right into this question because I loved it the most. It was probably my favorite from one of my, let's face it, most consistent listeners and fans on Team NXT, Brett Perry at Sin City Brett DMs me and says, for the show, who would you consider the one that got away? Someone who either competed in NXT or one of the tourneys and is no longer in WWE or signed elsewhere. A lot of people say Sammy, but for me, it was Tessa or Tony Storm. And initially, my first guess was Tessa Blanchard as well. Tessa not only proving her in-ring presence to be shown on NXT, but showing her commentary chops as well is something I respect even more upon hearing her TNA Impact debut, which is just the most unfortunate thing, and I really feel like she is the one that got away. I remember hearing rumors that WWE was going to sign her again, and that she would be this whole real big cornerstone in the foundation, and a real good competitor for Shayna Baszler, and just a real good good hand to have in rebuilding the division. I honestly think Tessa Blanchard's the kind of wrestler you can build a women's division around. Tony Storm, Brett, I'm going to agree with you there as well. She was one of the Mae Young Classic competitors that, honestly, I saw this parallel with her. If she signed, she would have won. If Kota Ibushi signed, he would have won the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament as well. So Tony Storm, I see that career parallel. Tessa Blanchard, definitely the one that got away. Somebody as an entertaining act and a real big part of NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1. Don't forget, dun-da-da-da, Blue Pants. Blue Pants kind of an act that got away. For those of you unfamiliar, check your NXT history on that one, kids. Big Cass does have some pipes, and he sings her theme song. So that's a pretty cool fact. Uh, somebody signs to NXT and got away. Somebody I want to see re-debut on NXT television is this Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler tag team. And that's just, that's something I really, really want to see come up again. But somebody who I really feel one who got away and only because he is absolutely killing it and what he's doing in NJPW right now, the submission wizard, Zack Sabre Jr. I am such a Zack Sabre Jr. fan. I really feel after the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament, he wouldn't have been just a hand to jump up to 205 Live. They would have pushed him as a singles competitor on NXT television. He could have been one of the guys to make the jump from NXT as a brand right to the UK division. One guy I definitely feel should have been featured in the first initial WWE United Kingdom Championship tournament as well, but 
there's always the second one who knows what surprises are in store so pretty much to summarize that question Zack Sabre Jr. as far as male competitors go definitely Tessa Blanchard and Tony Storm I'm gonna throw Jazzy Gabbert in there as as well because I feel like NXT needs that monster presence in their women's division since the call-up and of Nia Jax and Nia Jax has been doing great things on Raw I love her babyface turn Nia Jax definitely proving me wrong in some of the opinions I had during her NXT run it really all goes to show the NXT developmental system works so thank you for thank you to Brett for that question uh, let's see, jumping down to the next one. What does the C in CD Danny Mac stand for? Uh, that's one from my cousin via Instagram. Uh, it used to stay for Crazy Dan, but we realized among my group of friends that as far as low-key personalities go, I'm up there on that list rather than the over-the-top party crazy vibes. So the CD... Part of my name stands for, I am one of those people who are just really retro when it comes to listening to music in his car, and he uses something called the CD player. It's right there collecting dust where the aux cord cable should be. You kids will find it. You just got to look real hard in that center dashboard. So that's what the CD stands for. I'll even post a video after this episode 50 to prove the extensiveness of my CD case. There's a Linkin Park Hybrid Theory CD from its debut. So thanks for shouting that one out. It's always a nickname I'm more than happy to express. Uh, Who's going to be the next UK championship winner? Wow. Ooh. Uh, First of all, I can't be more more excited for this for this tournament. It's looking like an NXT showcase event where all of the gold will be on the line. But I'm gonna take my shot in the dark if he doesn't find success on 205 Live sooner than I'd like him to. I'm going to throw ahead. I'm going to go ahead and throw my hat in the ring for Mark Andrews. I will never underestimate this underdog. Shout out to Junior. They're a great band, especially for a 26-year-old pop punk kid like myself. So Mark Andrews is one of them. I definitely want to see Joseph Connors make a return. He's definitely one of the most badass men on the UK independent scene. And you know what? The last king of Scotland, Wolfgang, I wouldn't mind seeing him get his due as well. So big shout out for those three questions. Guys, if you've listened to episode 50 and you have any more, I am doing a NXT superstar shake up as well as alumni special. At first, I was going to take all of the call-ups and do an exclusive special right here where I would have done the questions, but we ran a little bit over time. So I'm going to take all of the shuffled NXT alumni, including the Riot Squad and Carmella's SmackDown Live championship reign due to help of the Iconics, and just the shuffling of the molds on Raw and SmackDown as a whole because of NXT alumni. I'm going to be talking about the long overdue possibility of a heel turn for Bobby Roode on Monday Night Raw. You got the guy on the showcase. You got the guy on the flagship show. You need to show him at his absolute top notch. But save that for my NXT Superstar Shake-Up special 
I might call it episode 50, part 2. I don't know. I'm drifting over an hour here. This might just be episode 50 as a whole, and that might be a separate segment in and of itself. But thank you for bearing with me. If you've listened to me for this entire hour, if you listened to me for a minute, if you turned on this and realized, yeah, I'll listen to it later, and then jumped right back in and joined me at that 27-minute mark, I definitely appreciate that. You could break it down any way you want to. It's NXT television. It's the longest running and independently produced NXT podcast out there on the market. Find me on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, of course, and you'll find everything hosted on the SoundCloud page. The Patreon page is coming, but the entertainment is always free in my book. But the t-shirts are out there. Thank you so much to everybody who participated in the Teespring campaign for Make-A-Wish. I could not ask for anything more than that support. More campaigns are coming. T-shirts with the more official logo are coming. I need to talk to my graphic designer. Shout out to Drew's Cartoons. If you're out there, you can DM him for any caricatures you want. That plug was free. You better get on my t-shirts real soon. But I am CD, Danny Mac, The Voice. That is your choice for NXT coverage. I hope you have a glorious week. Happy Rusev Day. I wish you all the best. Thank you for episode 50 and cheers to at least 50 more. (laughs) 